together. We're going to start with how to love our friends, and then we're going to see how to love our neighbors. Um, I want to talk about the value of friendship a little bit before uh, we get more into the details of the sermon. Proverbs recognizes the value and almost the rarity of good friendship at 20 verse 6 when it says, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. And as rare as great friendship is in this world, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that you need friends in life. And I don't think it'd be a a stretch to say either that without learning how to have friends and keep friends and learning how to be a good friend, you're likely not to make it too far in life. In fact, recent studies have shown health benefits of having close friends and spending time with them. It actually seems to be proven to strengthen our immune systems somehow. If friendship is so important, it makes it strange that our culture doesn't emphasize it more than it does. If you were to look at the media, it would make you think that romantic love is the solution to having a happy and successful life. But I think you could argue that friendship is just as important, maybe more so, than romantic love. As one pastor points out, think about all those glossy magazines at the checkout lanes in the grocery store. How many cover stories are about who's who's a friend with who? Well, no, they're all about who's dating who or who's sleeping with who. And movies and stories feature romantic love, not friendship love. One of the few famous stories truly at the heart of it that's about friendship love is The Lord of the Rings, and it was written by a Christian. Any of, maybe you've read the books, seen the movies, maybe both, but any of the romantic love stuff is found in the appendices of the books, but for the movies, uh, to try to make them more a typical blockbuster, they pulled all the romantic stuff from the appendix and they made it into the main story. But the author was especially showing the importance of enduring, loyal, good friendship. A small boy wants to find a friend as someone who knows all about you and likes you just the same. C.S. Lewis wrote this about friendship. It is born at that moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Chuck Swindoll tells about Thomas Jefferson once that when he was president, he was traveling on horseback with a group of guys And they came to a river uh, which had risen well above its banks because of a recent downpour. The river had washed the bridge away, and each rider was forced to ford the river on horseback, fighting really for his life against those rapid currents. 
There was a very real possibility of death which caused one traveler who was nearby but not part of the group to step aside and watch to figure out how to ford the, uh, the river. After several guys had plunged in, made it to the other side, the stranger asked President Jefferson if, if the president could ferry him across the river. The president agreed without hesitation. Uh, the man climbed aboard, and shortly after that, the two of them made it safely to the other side. And as the stranger slid off the back of the saddle onto dry ground, uh, one in the group asked him, tell me, why did you select the president to ask this favor of? And the man was shocked, and he admitted he had no idea that it was the president who'd helped him. And he said this, all I know is that on some of your faces was written the answer no, and on some of them was the answer yes. His face was a yes face. We want to have a yes face as people who know the love of Jesus. We want to be friendly. We want to be good friends. We want to have good friends, right? How? Well, Proverbs shows us by giving us a few dimensions of friendship. So we're going to talk about friendship first, and then a little bit later, briefer, how to love our neighbors. How to love our friends. What does the love of a friend look like? First, we see from Proverbs that a friend sticks with you. A friend is constant, we might say. A friend is loyal. Proverbs 27.10 says, Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father. Proverbs 17.17, A friend loves at all times. On the other side of it, Proverbs also talks about fair-weather friends. Growing up, my family moved around a lot. Every few years for sure, sometimes more often than that. I made new friends in each place, usually pretty quickly, but those friendships, because we moved, were not super long-lasting. They didn't last for years and years. I consider Sarah, my wife, my closest friend. Uh, We've been married almost 20 years, know each other maybe 22, 23 years. And after that, uh, a number of you here at Faith Church are my longest-lasting friends. And I, I value that. I value that longevity of friendship very much. Loyalty is a characteristic of real friendship. You stick with them. Paul Wallace was a good friend when I lived in Glenside, a suburb of Philadelphia. But he was not loyal. It was a long time ago, but I I remember that day in first grade very clearly. At our school, it was Philmont Christian Academy, there were three levels on the playground. Upper, middle, and lower. The younger kids could only be on the upper level. The middle level, which had stairs going down it, and other than that, just kind of a rough, steep hill, um, that was off limits for sure to first graders. I don't know where the cutoff was. Maybe fourth grade, fifth grade. For sure, off limits always at recess to first graders. Well, a few of us were playing with the playground ball, and you know what a playground ball is, right? Throwing it, kicking it. Somehow, the ball fell down to the middle level. 
Just then, the school bell rang for recess to end. Everyone was going to leave the ball down there because, after all, middle level, off limits, big trouble. I felt leaving it down there wasn't the right thing to do, and I figured this was a time, if any, to make an exception to the rule. And so I ran down there to get the ball, not because I was being rebellious, but I was trying to be helpful. And you know what, of all things, you know who told on me? Paul Wallace. I felt betrayed. I'd been to this kid's house. He'd been to mine. We were buddies. I was hurt. I got in trouble. I felt in my six-year-old heart that friends, friends don't do that sort of thing. And maybe you remember a friend who abandoned you, maybe in a more serious way, but all, all of, also we remember friends who have stuck with us, stuck with us maybe even throughout a move far away, continue that friendship maybe through times of hurt and pain or when you've blown it in life. God's word says true friendship is constant, it's loyal. I think the easiest thing to think of is examples like mine, whether your friends have been loyal to you. But I think we can better turn it around and ask ourselves, first of all, am I a loyal friend? Is my love constant? Or do I bail easily on people? Do I stick with those closest to me even when things get rough in our relationship or in our lives? Second, when needed, a friend tells it like it is. And we could call this candor or honesty. There are times in love to show a friend when they're going astray. A true friend won't just let someone go down the wrong path. Proverbs 27.6 says, The wounds from a friend can be trusted. And I think wounds there refers to hard words that sometimes need to be said. On the contrary, 29 verse 5 says that whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. Flattering someone when they should be admonished does not help that person. That's not what a good friend does. We have a a great example in the Bible, a great negative example in the Bible of King David who shirked his duty to his son Adonijah. This kid had problems, he was difficult, uh, to the extent that when he was older, uh, maybe in his 30s, he tried to take the throne from his father. Ultimately, his issues led to an early death. But in 1 Kings 1.6, the author of Kings makes the point of saying about Adonijah, his father never interfered with him by asking Why do you behave as you do? Ouch. What an indictment against King David. And we get the impression that David consistently did a very poor job of discipling his kids. Over the years of my life, this was more often when I was younger, I remember my dad having a couple conversations with me, saying things that were really hard to hear, but it was stuff I needed to hear. There were, there were things I needed to straighten out. It was hard, 
I didn't like it. The words wounded me in a sense, like Proverbs says, but in the end, I appreciated it. And the fact is, you can take candor from a friend, even if it's a hard conversation. Why? Well, because you have that relationship. You know it comes out of love. And maybe this morning you can remember a time or two in your life when someone took you aside. And though it was hard, it helped you in life. Maybe this morning you need to have one of those tough conversations with someone. If that's the case, pray about it, that you have the right words to say, and that you do it in a spirit of love, and reach out and do it. It's part of our call to love those close to us, being for straightforward, telling it like it is. Uh, one more thought. A friend shows common sense. We might say a friend shows tact. There are a no- number of examples of this in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs twenty-five seventeen. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and he'll hate you. Proverbs also says in twenty-seven fourteen. Don't be cheery at the wrong time when it's inappropriate. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. I don't know how close uh, your backyard is to your neighbor's, but ours is decently close, one of the houses, and potentially I could wake up in the morning, or probably more often Sarah sits on the back porch with devotions and a cup of coffee, and feel pretty good, and then see see Joe come from next door and, and Joe's a great guy. He's never looked like this, but I can imagine a neighbor looking pretty rough, ragged, clearly not happy, maybe at a rough night something was going you Hey Joe, how's it going this morning? Isn't it a great day to be alive? Wrong time. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, you'll be taken as a curse. Too early. Proverbs 25 says, don't sing songs to a heavy heart. That's not wise. A friend uses common sense when a friend is grieving. We bear that grief with him gently, tactfully. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19 warns against taking a joke too far. Another area of common sense that we read is borrowing something from a friend. It says in Proverbs 3, return what you borrow as soon as you can. Don't wait until tomorrow if you can return it today. And that type of common sense stuff will make him more apt to let you borrow something in the future. Proverbs also says, and we don't have time to get into too much detail on that at all this morning, but money can complicate friendships. Now, the different use of rhea to mean more distant relationships. Uh, More often, that's translated neighbor. The world generally thinks loving others includes just people like us. Just people we like. Just our friends. People with the same skin color. But for Jesus, for us, love is more radical 
It includes those who are different from us, even our enemies, ultimately anyone that we come in contact with. There's some pearls of wisdom for that far-reaching love. And I'm going to go through these a little quicker. Uh, The first one is promote peace. This is what you can do. And a lot of these apply also to your close friends. But these are specifically for the more distant relationships, our neighbors. Promote peace. Be a peacemaker. Proverbs 3.29 says, Do not plot against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he's done you no harm. And then this is kind of an interesting one. 25 verse 8, What you have seen with your eyes, do not bring hastily to court. For what will you do in the end if your neighbor puts you to shame? And that's kind of an interesting, don't bring what you've seen hastily to court. I don't think it's saying that if you've been wronged, always let it go. There are times to not let it go. And there are times maybe that you have to go to court. But Proverbs is telling us we should be very cautious about entering into any sort of adversarial relationship with our neighbor. That can go bad quickly. And if you've ever had to go to court, if you've ever been taken to court, you know how quickly that can become a messy, messy business. Certainly, we should not be the cause of a problem. But even if there is a problem that hasn't been initiated by us, the Bible seems to be giving the advice that we should err on the side of letting it go. As far as it's up to you in life, be a peacemaker. Also, the Bible calls us to be quick to listen and slow to talk. Uh, Proverbs eleven twelve says that, and James, which is a New Testament book of wisdom, in 1 verse 19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And that applies to our relationships with friends near and far. Third, in terms of love for neighbor, be kind, be merciful, be gracious. Proverbs 17, 17, talking about even our enemy, do not gloat when your enemy falls. When he stumbles, do not let your heart rejoice. And Proverbs 25, 21, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. On the contrary, Proverbs 21, 10, the wicked man shows no mercy. Wicked people show no kindness. Fourth, we also need to sometimes say no to our neighbor. Being kind and gracious and peaceable does not mean we let people walk all over us. It doesn't mean we go go along with anything and we keep up any sort of relationship at all. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 warn against, warn about keeping our distance from certain people. That verse we read about uh, an anger, a man who gets angry very quickly. Um, Proverbs 6 talks about saying no to an unwise business transaction. So just, it's not that always for the sake of peace you keep every relationship. Tim Keller's a pastor, and in talking about this topic, he says something 
uh, interesting and helpful as we conclude. And it kind of leads us to the greatest friendship of all. We get in, in, in Proverbs, in all these verses together, and there's more that we didn't cover, we get assembled for us the picture of an ideal friend, an ideal neighbor, uh, someone that loves as Jesus calls us to love. And when we read about that, something that may go through our minds and hearts is a feeling of longing. When, when we see all this, we may think about how much we wish we had a friend like this. How much we need friends like this. How few friends we have like this, maybe. Think about good friends uh, taken away from us uh, for work, moving to another state. Uh, friends like this past week taken away through death. We miss them. A couple weeks ago, we had a wonderful week with Sarah's family, and, and like for anybody, for us, it's a real challenge to be so distant from family we love. We have family in Michigan. That's only three hours away. That's not so bad, but we can't just see them anytime. Family in Denver, family in Seattle. That's the challenge to be distant from family you love. Often our siblings, our cousins, they're our very best friends in life. We might think after reading all of this, boy, I sure miss my friends. Or, I wish I had closer friends. I wish I had more friends. More loyal, steady people who will tell me like it is and who I can just be myself around and relax. But the reality is, none of us perfectly has the friends that our heart needs. Second, we might feel poorly about ourselves after hearing all this because we haven't been the best friend we could be to others. We fall short when we measure ourselves according to Jesus' standard of love for our reyes, near and far. We've let people down. We've abandoned friends when they needed us. We don't have the wisdom to say the right thing for those around us, whether it's our best friend or the guy on the other side of the fence in the backyard. So how do we solve these feelings? Where will we get the power to be the friends and neighbors we need to be? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, the night before Jesus died, Jesus tells his disciples about what's going to happen. And one of the things he talks about at that time, we read it in John 15, is the idea of friendship of all things. I no longer call you servants, but friends. Now love one another as I've loved you. I'm going to lay my life down for you. God is mysterious and bigger than we could ever imagine. But one thing we know clearly is that he is what we call a trinity. Three persons, one God. And we could say the trinity, it's a kind of friendship, a community. If 
Father, Son, and Spirit. And God made us in His image to need community, including to need friends. In Genesis, after the creation, God came walking in the cool of the day to be with Adam and Eve. And that language is friendship language in Hebrew. God made us for that. Friendship with Him, friendship with others, But you know what we did? We turned from that. We turned away from him and his design and sin. Now, in this world, if you turn away from a friend, if you betray a friend, they will almost, they will likely turn from you. But God didn't do that. We read about our turning from God early in Genesis. And the rest of the story of the Bible is that God did not turn from us. He turned toward us. He remained faithful to his promises, even though he had every right to walk away. He says instead, the opposite of what you'd expect, I will not let you down. In fact, I'm going to lay my life down for you. And that's what we're celebrating in communion today. Blessed are the wounds of a friend, we read in Proverbs. Well, by Jesus' wounds on the cross, we're healed. We're celebrating the most blessed wounds of all today. Jesus, on the cross, lost his friendship with his Father so that we might be friends of God. How much more intimacy and loyalty and faithfulness do we need? What greater friend do we have than Jesus? He never lets us down. Even while in those last hours before his death, his best friends of all fell asleep, denied him, betrayed him, yet he stuck closer than a brother for us. This Jesus died to make us his friends. Having his friendship one who's faithful to you even to the end, even to death, knowing that he'll never let you down, he'll never let you go. Well, when you've got that friendship, you can be freed and excited to be the loving friends and neighbors he calls us to be. It's because we're absolutely secure in Jesus. We can't lose ourselves by giving ourselves away to others when we have the perfect friend Jesus. One of the great things about friendship, and we read it even, I think, is we read, iron sharpens iron. There's this cool phenomenon that like-minded people attract each other and become friends. And yet, we also know that our differences with each other help us become better people. You can see that with husbands and wives, different There's likeness, but also difference, and that helps them grow. We see it with friends, too. But nowhere does that happen better, that iron sharpens iron, than among Christians. And it's because our God breaks into the life of all sorts of people. I'm looking at a lot of all sorts of people out here. All different backgrounds, tongues, colors. With that foundation of unity in Jesus' sacrifice for us, we can have very rich lives as God intended 
through the differences among God's people in the church. In the gospel, in the church, when we have that ultimate unity, being friends of God, then we can have a richness of friendships, people with different temperaments, people of all ages, yes, even political views, in a world where you're only friends with people who think like you, who look like you. And all of that makes us richer. You're going to have all the friends you need in that perfect combination of unity and diversity that you find in the church among fellow Christians as friends of God. And we want to be building those kinds of friendships here at Faith Church. Our goal is to share and to preach that kind of love, that greatest command, and to preach the sacrificial love of Jesus. And so I urge you to reach out to others here with that kind of friendship. Make sure sure that you are open to receiving friends You need friends, starting right at Faith CRC and even going beyond.